This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. One of the best things to happen this year, in my view, uh, was the awarding of the Nobel Peace Prize to the International Campaign for the Abolition of Nuclear Weapons, ICANN, for its work on the treaty to prohibit nuclear weapons. 122 nations were on board in July 2017, and many of you will now know that ICANN started here in Melbourne. Uh, Tillman Ruff has joined us a number of times this year, and he's one of the founders of that organisation. Congrats again. It's still pretty cool, isn't it, to say that Nobel Peace Prize recipient. It's still a bit hard to believe you still got to pinch yourself. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, now, now what? Now what happens with your um, with ICANN? I mean, you get the award this coming Sunday. Yeah. Well, there's a, quite a crew of us from Melbourne. I think eight sort of current and former board members and and staff, and then a couple of additional family members and fellow travellers who are coming over to collect. Uh, next Sunday, as you mentioned, there's a whole series of events, public forums, press conferences, concerts and exhibition, a torchlight procession, a whole series of events that virtually take over the lovely compact centre of Oslo for a couple of days, um, Saturday, Sunday, Monday next week. Um, and the main award ceremony in the City Hall will be webcast, so there's an event at Melbourne Town Hall, ho- kindly hosted by uh, City of Melbourne as well as I can, um, had really nice, heartwarming support from the city and from the Victorian government. Um, so that'll be a big, fun, historic night for those who uh, are unable to be in Oslo. The prize really provides an extraordinary opportunity to, you know, it's a day in the sun. It's 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 an enormous amount of recognition and credibility, which while it's I, th- there, I think there are a couple of aspects that are really important, but probably the most important one is the attention it provides for us to be able to speak to the urgency of getting rid of these worst of all weapons. And really it couldn't have come at a better time in terms of the global dangers being so obvious and in your face. You know, every day there's some escalation of some mad rhetoric with explicit nuclear fr- threats from both sides of the Pacific. Um so it really provides an opportunity to, to draw attention to the, the humanitarian need to get rid of nuclear weapons and hopefully gives enormous encouragement to both all of the millions of campaigners around the world who've worked on this issue and the governments who are the ones in the end who need to make this historic treaty enter force and be implemented. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting that this has come at a time when there's a lot of concern around the world for the possibility of, of nuclear war with the United States and, and North Korea posturing. And um, But none of those nuclear armed states, um, as people may know, participated in these talks to achieve a treaty to ban nuclear weapons, nor did Australia. Have you had any contact with the Australian government or anything from them congratulating you on the prize or, or being willing to engage with you on um, kind of, I guess, forwarding your cause? The Australian government doesn't support ICANN's call for a treaty-based approach to stigmatise, prohibit and eliminate nuclear weapons, that essentially historically proven path that's been what's worked for all of the other horrible weapons that we have treaties for, chemical, biological weapons, landmines and cluster munitions. So they say they're serious about a world free of nuclear weapons, but essentially the approach they advocate is basically business as usual, which is really not going anywhere very fast and is stuck essentially and that's why the ban was such a crucial breakthrough. The the fundamental contradiction for Australia is that it claims to rely 
on US nuclear weapons as essential, not just for our security, but they actually argue for our prosperity as well. And that means that, you know, what credibility do we have to say North Korea in a much more threatened geopolitical situation to say they can't have nuclear weapons if we, facing no plausible military threat, say we need them? You know, we just have no credibility. And basically it puts us as part of the problem, not the solution, and on the wrong side of history. So the Australian government has informally or sort of indirectly through a spokesperson um, recognised ICANN's commitment to spreading awareness about the catastrophic consequences of any use of nuclear weapons, but not specifically for the other part of the Nobel citation, which is work to realised the the banned treaty. There was a Senate motion that was proposed by Labor and the Greens um, to congratulate ICANN and recognise its establishment in Melbourne, um, which was passed on the voices without objection. So in a sense that I guess is sort of tacit belated uh, congrats of some (laughs) sort, but certainly nothing formal. Um, we don't know whether the Australian government will be represented at the awards ceremony. It's recently become apparent that some of our allies, uh, US, UK and France, have downgrading their usual am- ambassadorial representation at Nobel ceremonies to, to some lower minion. So I wouldn't be surprised if we um, followed that path or stayed away, but we don't know that yet. Mm. We've asked them, but, but haven't received it. Oh, look at yet. the effect that ICANN's still having on the state of international diplomacy. So, look, for me, all of that is, in a sense, reassuring because the fact that the states that possess and rely on nuclear weapons are feeling uncomfortable about this treaty, are feeling on the defensive, and that it's not something they can ignore, for me, is enormous encouragement that this treaty makes a difference. Um, and, you know, if you're going to change the world, particularly on the biggest and the most macho and of all weapons, then, you, you know, you're going to have to create some friction. There are going to have to be some people who are going to be uncomfortable yeah. uh, for a mm. while. And so, for me, that's all part of the process. So, I, 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 it's disappointing um, that Australia isn't in front out there as we've signed up to all of the other weapons treaties that, that, that ban unacceptable weapons. We have to sign. Uh, eventually, it's just a matter of time. But um, but we're certainly not out in front. Am I right in thinking that the Labor Party is set to debate next year whether they would sign Australia to the treaty if they were in government? Yes, Labor has a very good policy in, adopted at its 2015 national conference, so in its party platform. It specifically supports a treaty to ban and eliminate nuclear weapons. Um, The issue, though, for Labor has been that while that's the policy on paper, we all know that there are many um, potential twists and turns between that, what's on paper, and implementation and Mm. commitments and what actually happens um, when they're next in government. What we'd really like is some kind of very clear commitment from the leadership to do what they did for the Kyoto Protocol, Um, you know, within the first 100 days of, of... next being in office we'll commit to sign this treaty bring ourselves into compliance and and then ratifying it that's the kind of commitment i think we need to see from labor the next major opportunity to to try and strengthen that policy and solidify support within the party is the national conference which is scheduled for next year unless we have a federal election first we're very pleased that 
although it's only been open for signature for perhaps a month, um, a parliamentary pledge that's a global initiative to invite parliamentarians to demonstrate their commitment to the treaty and to work for their governments to sign it has so far been signed not just by a broad range of... Um, so including Liberals, Nationals, Xenophontine, Greens, but over 60% of the Federal Parliamentary Labor Party, including a number of shadow Cabinet Ministers. So for us, that's a really healthy sign um, that we really need to, to push Labor to to make this a specific commitment for when they're next in government. Mm. Um, we're speaking with Tillman Ruff. Uh, uh, he's one of the founders of the International Campaign for the Abolition of Nuclear Weapons, ICANN, which started here in Melbourne, has uh, won the Nobel Peace Prize and uh, that prize is going to be awarded this coming Sunday. Uh, it's really interesting to think uh, Tillman about an organisation that really did start very small and still is very small as far as I'm aware to have this level of um, international impact and, and influence not just with the prize but with this treaty as well. I suppose a lot of people are looking to ICANN and, and thinking gee okay we you know don't give up on your, your sort of dreams and uh, small organisations can really have a big impact and are you hearing from people that have been emboldened with their own campaigns to to continue on with the uh, I suppose this international recognition that ICANN's received. And that's been for me one of the most gratifying and beautiful things about this is the you know people come up to me in the street and I've come up to others people I don't know and I've said not just good on you but I've said thank you um, in a way that I haven't really had at such and the messages of that just keep coming I mean there's still probably 500 emails that I haven't been able to respond to because there's just been such an outpouring of gratitude and I think a lot of people feel enormously encouraged and should you know that a handful of people can get together with the right idea at the right time get some resources get a strategy employ good people and really make a difference um, by you know the campaign coalition model that we use so very nimble and lean organizationally but really trying to add value to a very broad family of organizations that work together you know that can bring hundreds of people together from all over the world at crucial meetings at the un and really effectively work with support encourage shame whatever needs doing with the governments there um that's been a really effective model i mean we were inspired by the international campaign to ban landmines which, um, despite the opposition of the major users and producers in the most powerful countries, Russia, China, US, still don't haven't signed that treaty, didn't support it, but it happened. And initially it was Canada that took the lead with civil society. Um, so there's no doubt that small groups of committed people make a difference, as Margaret Mead said, it's the only thing that ever does. Mm. Um, and, you know, this is a global issue, this is a global threat, we all need to take this personally. You can launch a global campaign from Melbourne just as well as well, anywhere else. And now, I mean, now you, you're going to get a big bucket of money. I mean, when that comes with the Nobel Peace Prize, will that change what you do or will it give you more leverage, more resources? How, how will that play out, do you think? Well, it is a reasonable amount of money. It's 1.4 million Australian dollars, roughly. Um, we're hoping to sort of put some of that into a reserve fund so it doesn't all get used quickly and, and is gone. Um, I hope that people see it as sort of validation and, 
you know, ICANN's a good thing and will want to give us more rather than think, oh, they've got a bucket of money they don't need anymore. Um, it's a very lean organisation. You know, we, we run on the smell of an oily rag. ICANN Australia um, has basically two staff, two wonderful staff, Tim Wright and Gem Remold. Um, our central office in Geneva now has two and a half staff, you know, with funds guaranteed till kind of March. You know, it's <laughs> wow. not... It, it's it's a very lean outfit. Its its strength is those 468 partner organisations in 100 different countries around the world that that get their members active. And, and um, so that's the model. But, but, yes, the resources will certainly help. The recognition, I think, is probably the bigger thing. And... and and, and this opportunity at a crucial time when clearly the work that ICANN does is more urgent and important than ever to really be able to tell your story and have it heard in a way that, that doesn't otherwise happen. Mm. And I think people often think of these issues, activism to, to end nuclear weapons, for example, as belonging in the sphere of international relations or international diplomacy. You're a public health physician by trade. Um, obviously, if, if there is um, nuclear testing, nuclear war, the impact on public health is going to be felt extremely sharply is this seen as a big issue in the the public health field not that much unfortunately i have to say but but yes you're right it is and and i think that's been i can one of the things that's really been central to i can is taking this out of the sort of the political the strategic the abstract concepts about deterrence and parity and balance and somehow we have these weapons so we don't use them and somehow they have this magical quality of you know protecting you from their use it's it's all a bit twisted and perverse and mythical really and very abstract and the basis for our campaigning is the impacts of the weapons mm. is the consequences this is what the weapons do don't tell it doesn't matter whose they are it doesn't matter which name is on them when they go off they have the same effect and radioactively incinerate people wherever they are. It doesn't matter whether they're North Korean or US or Russian. They're all the same. Um, and to focus on the consequences and to really highlight the voices of the survivors from Japan, from nuclear testing around the world, they're the ones who can make real, you know, tell the lived experience of of the bitter transgenerational impacts of nuclear yeah. weapons. I was actually just watching um, last week on the ABC, a foreign correspondent went and visited the Marshall Islands Bikini Atoll and uh, it was just, uh, if you haven't seen that program, it's worth watching. It's really eye-opening, um, the, the legacy there. And I suppose the United States are really not uh, uh, living up to its responsibilities um, with the testing that happened in that region but i mean the time we've got left i'd love to hear exactly where the treaty's at so uh, what 53 countries have ratified this treaty but before today? i answer that Katia, let yeah. me just say that just i really want to not lose the opportunity to pay respects to the indigenous folk here who've been such crucial voices to the campaign um karina and rose lester daughters of the famous yami lester who unfortunately passed away earlier this year will be at the melbourne celebration mm. auntie sue common hasseldean uh, Kokatha Elder, displaced as a child from the Maralinga test, is coming to Oslo with us. Absolutely delighted about that. They need to be there. Um, so the treaty, as you mentioned, was adopted by 122 countries in a vote on 7 July. Um, when it opened for signature on the 20th of September at the UN in New York, 50 countries signed up that day and another couple that week, um, and three were able to ratify straight away um so 
that's the number it stands at at the moment. Um, it'll be open for signature indefinitely. Uh, there'll be another signing ceremony we expect in New York on the 8th of December. Um, once 50 countries have actually ratified the treaty, that often involves, you know, government and parliamentary processes that take some months. But once 50 countries have ratified it, then it will enter into force 90 days later. So our hope would be that it enters into force late next year or at the very latest, um, early 2019. Um, it's a, yeah, it's, it'll be historic. It, in a sense, it's the easy bit. It's a very significant bit, but it's been working with the states that are frustrated and really want to do something. We now have to use this treaty um, to get it into force, get strong domestic legislation to implement countries' commitments, um, but use it as a tool to put pressure on nuclear-armed and nuclear-dependent states. Um, mm. They're on the defensive, but we really, really, really need to keep that work going. So it's kind of the beginning of the end of nuclear weapons. The job isn't finished yet. And uh, thank you so much for coming in. It's such a great um, way to, well, this is our last program here for the year um, to speak about one of the real highlights of 2017 and uh, an amazing delegation heading over to uh, receive that Nobel Peace Prize. But if you want to get along and celebrate here or you're interested to find out more, there is a, um, an event happening at um, in partnership with the City of Melbourne. Uh, it's happening this Sunday, 7.30pm. You need to get tickets, but it's free uh, at the Melbourne Melbourne Town Hall. There's all sorts of interesting people speaking, including Vanessa Griffin, a Fijian campaigner, um, staff members from ICANN, uh, uh, Labor Senator Lisa Singh, um, many others, uh, Karina and Rose Lester. Um, and yeah, so I think uh, that will be a pretty interesting evening to spend this coming Sunday. And all the best um, receiving that prize. It's great to have you in on Triple R again. Thanks very much, Katia. Thanks, Tim. Really happy to be here time to talk speeches with tony wilson speakola is his website one of the many things he gets up to and uh the speakolies are the awards that you're not quite ready to award yet so prestigious are the speakolies uh hello Cario. <laughs> hello. hello dylan hello tony uh, they are massive the speakolies they are some of the most important speaking prizes that are handed out each year there are so few speaking awards that i've been very surprised that me awarding a speaking you've got the speech of the year in the corporate division i say things like that to people you know they're virtually putting it on their websites going <laughs> i want to speak only and i'm reluctant to tell them <laughs> judge is one just me and done at my holiday house uh or my parents holiday house uh, uh over about 25 minutes with not a huge amount of thought how do you spell it speak only is it just um, with an I? Well, or? Speak Ola is uh, Speak and then O-L-A, and yeah. that's the website that you should all be frantically looking at right now. And then the Speak Olies are just I-E-S at the end. Yeah. Is there a red carpet? Like the Logies. Yeah. <laughs> is there a red carpet involved in the Speak it's, uh, it's more a mottled carpet, I'd mm. say, the one at the beach house, um, and that was the only one involved in the, the award ceremony last year. But I am thinking of upping it to uh, a night at a pub where we... Just anyone who's contributed a speech for the year could turn up and 
probably even read it if they like, uh, but that's on the cards. Certainly I'd like to have some live events next year for Speakola. Would there be a lot of pressure on someone to deliver a very good speech after winning a Speakola? No, I don't think so. I think all (laughs) the hard work is in winning the speech and then you will understand one of the great lessons that you can learn from Speakola is length of speech and Mm. acceptance speeches are usually hard to make great. Um, and you might as well go short. But having said that, there have been some great acceptance speeches. In fact, I'd say that Meryl Streep is up for a speaker early this year in the film and television oh, yeah. category. Let's just put her in film. The categories are a little fluid as well. Uh, but Meryl Streep's, uh, do you remember her one at the, yes. uh, what's it called? The, uh, not, not the Academy Awards, the one the before Andy that, the Golden Globes, Golden Globes yep. where she won some sort of lifetime achievement and she did, she managed to smash into shape a three-way analogy involving the foreign uh, it's called the something foreign press isn't it the so basically he met she, she hollywood foreign press association and she managed in the week of trump's election to use the foreign that he doesn't like foreigners there's a war on foreigners fair enough that worked um there's a war on the press he doesn't like the press fair enough that worked and then he she sort of had to say that he doesn't like hollywood and he kind of doesn't but then you could also say he's sort of almost part of it isn't he to some Mm. extent so that didn't work as well but two out of three wasn't bad and it was one of the speeches of the year (laughs) (laughs) well how do you how do you um i suppose go about gathering the speeches for your website tony because i imagine you you get a lot of recommendations now because it's been going for several years hasn't it and it's quite it's quite a resource now with if you want to find a good speech on x y and z you can go to your yeah, your so, website and find it. So that's the most common way. And I, in fact, I was looking through the 2017 speeches for today's show and actually noticed I probably haven't got as many 2017s as I did 2015 and 2016 when I was doing huge amounts of hours to try to kind of build the database. So I was out there scouring lists of great speeches, best speech. Just I just write best speech into Twitter and see what got thrown up. And I was putting up a lot of speeches. And, and it seems this year I've done more kind of dissemination than I have loading um, and so there were there, there are less 2017 speeches in terms of the website but I think I'm up over 1400 speeches in total. Gee. Mm. Or maybe we're just not as good this year at making speeches. I doubt that's the case. I think it will be a speakola related problem rather than a world at large problem. We did but have last year I was looking after my notes looking at my notes from last year Stan Grant's oh, incredible that, speech well, that at that debate. Beauty. So mm. I mean I'm not sure we've had something of that higher standard this year that I that, that sort of went on the the shareathon and I, I have to say that's kind of how I find them if they're really flying around um, and and Stan Grant's was massive. That was actually from the year before. That took 2 months mm. for anyone to find. So he gave that speech and then they didn't post it until January of 2016 and you know that blew everyone away and I think it probably stands up as the you know the best ever um well the best speech on racism in in recent times there's an amazing speech on speakola that people can look up um by a guy called Jack Patton from 1938 on the 150th anniversary I think of the uh, invasion I guess is what you call it of Australia in 1788 and that speech is a rival for the great racism speech in, in, in Australian history but you know um, certainly uh, Stan Grant's I don't think I've got one in in the in the domestic political s- sphere um, I decided to the, the speak only I think will be jousted out duked out uh, between Penny Wong 
for her speech during the marriage equality debate. I think on the day that the uh, that the survey was legislated and was that we found out we were going to have a survey. Well, Penny Wong spoke very passionately in Parliament. Have you, you've got a snippet yeah, of that one. Yeah, let's hear a snippet of that one. Who might remember it? And I do want to respond to the uh, comment by Senator Cormann that this could be a unifying moment. Well, <clears throat> and that people could be respectful. I don't think, I hope that people watching me debate would not think that I'm a shrinking violet, right? And I know what a hard debate's like. But I tell you, have a read of some of the things which are said about us and our families. And then come back here and tell us this is a unifying moment. The Australian Christian lobby described our children as the stolen generation. We love our children. And I object, as do every person who cares about children, and as do all those couples in this country, same-sex couples who have kids, to being told our children are a stolen generation. You talk about unifying moments, it's not a unifying moment. It's exposing our children. It's an amazing one. And, and, you know, it really, I think, set the standard for some terrific speeches that were given on that topic. And, and even on the results day, uh, there was a, a suite of great speeches that mm. day. And maybe today. I mean, it's in the parliament this week, so... You know, you're going to hold the speak holy back a little That's bit right. to see what might happen this week potentially. So, um, yeah, certainly, and 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 I, I'd, I'd uh, um, yeah, there's there's been some great on, ones on that topic. Well, Jackie Lambie of all people, I've got her. I know that uh, people have mixed feelings about Jackie, and she's a divider and a, but also a, 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 a an honest voice, I guess, in the parliament for what she believes in. And her speech on welfare is a classic. I think a, a really great personal story that it, that is worth checking out uh, and incredibly emotionally delivered. Um, on the international politics front, um, you know, in an inaugural year, you're always looking at that. Um, and that's not going to win their speak only. Uh, America will start winning again, winning like never before, which is the, the takeaway mm. from, uh, from, from that one back in, on January 20th. Uh, but the one that I really love um, and has had the most traffic of all the international speeches this year is uh, by a guy called Esteban Gonzalez Pons. Um, and he's a European parliamentarian uh, from Spain. He gave a speech uh, called Europe is Not a Market, is what I've called it, and it's a, it's a beautiful speech. It's really of the Churchillian high rhetoric, you know, that to the north there is this, to the south there is this, and then it finishes, Europe is not a market, it's the will to live together. Leaving Europe is not leaving a market, it is leaving shared dreams. We can have a common market, but if we do not have common dreams, we have nothing. Europe is the peace that came after the disaster of war. Europe is the pardon between French and Germans. Europe is the return to freedom of Greece, Spain and Portugal. Europe is the fall of the Berlin Wall. Europe is the end of communism. Europe is the welfare state. It is democracy. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful piece and of high rhetoric and, uh, and I think we'll go very close to winning the international speak, Ollie, which, in fact, maybe I'll announce <laughs> that one here right now. That one will win, I think, and with Jeremy Corbyn up there as well. That's uh, had the most traffic on, on speak, Ola, did you say? Yeah, the, that foreign language speech because it's, it's an odd little site. So basically, um, if the speech appears on the New York Times, if you search I Have a Dream, Martin Luther King, it is on speak, Ola, but it is such a massive thing in mm. in in 
in life that uh, that basically it won't come up early in, in Google. And so if I find a kind of a niche one, like a, a, a beautiful speech about from from the European Parliament, then lots of people are actually looking for that speech, but there aren't that many places to find mm. it. I've kind of grabbed it and I've been pushed up in Google as a result. So my traffic results are not really a reflection on the greatness of the speech because some of the most famous speeches are being found just everywhere. Mm. Um, for example, I get many more hits for I Have Been to the Mountaintop by Martin Luther King than I do for I Have a Dream. Uh, and I Have Been to the Mountaintop, if you haven't heard it, is just incredible. It was delivered the night before he was shot. Um, but it is, uh, it, it isn't I Have a Dream. I mean, most people would say that I Have a Dream is the, uh, uh, the yesterday of speeches or whatever. <laughs> What's the Passe. equivalent? Uh, no, the eye of a dream is, is perfection. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the, the, um, the speeches I think is on your maybe you might win a speak holy, um, list is Ashley Judd and Nasty so, Woman. And I watched this again this morning. It's full Pretty, on. It's, it's great delivery. It's full on. It's, she didn't, it's spoken um, word, really, she, isn't she it? Didn't, she didn't write it. So she, what she did was get permission from a 19-year-old yeah. blogger who'd written this incredible diatribe. And in the day after Trump's election on this incredible march, the, you get one of the better actors in the world to deliver your words, and it's it's fantastic. Maybe we'll get to hear a little snippet from that. Wow. And I bring you words from Nina Donovan, a 19-year-old in Middle Tennessee, and she has given me the privilege of telling you what she has to say, I am a nasty woman. I'm not as nasty as a man who looks like he bathes in Cheeto dust. A man whose words are a diss track to America. Electoral college sanctioned hate speech contaminating this national anthem. I'm not as nasty as Confederate flags being tattooed across my city. Maybe the South actually is going to rise again. Maybe for some, it never really fell. Blacks are still in shackles and graves just for being black. Slavery has been reinterpreted as the prison system in front of people who see... It's an amazing speech, well worth listening to the full audio, which is, of course, over at Speakola. And I have got a few from that Women's March. There were some great speeches around that time uh, in opposition to the the Trump inauguration um, and and certainly you know it's been a common theme this year I haven't really put up many of his I put up a brilliant one from um, Jimmy Fallon about the kind of ridiculous the peak ridiculousness or and sadness I guess of as well when of the white supremacy stuff um, in Charlottesville that, that's a great monologue that Jimmy Fallon put up and I'd nominate him as well in the TV monologue category and you talk about <laughs> you know I said that um that these are just pointless and I make them up and have no thought really goes into them. Last year, I gave a guy called Lawrence O'Donnell. Have you heard of him? So he hosts on NBC in America 
a show that is the resistance, you know. He's full on. His monologues are amazing. And he's got 1.4 million Twitter followers and he does these diatribes against Trump. And last year he did this speech about the Northwest Pipeline in the United States and talked about dispossession. It was one of the most honest and, and really sad and moving um, descriptions of dispossession and the conquering of the Native American population. He gave that as a monologue. And now I gave him a speak only for the best speech of the year and he put it on he, he retweeted it to wow. 1.4 million and i got like you know, i got tens of thousands <laughs> of hits and he's now a follower of speak Ola because he won a speak only and um where and is this going who knows that's off. right so so uh it just goes to show that that uh pandering to powerful twitter forces <laughs> and hoping they'll retweet their speak early is, is a good tactic from me yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, mo- most speeches that uh, we're subjected to aren't that great in day-to-day life like you might be at a, a you know a school speech night or, or somewhere at an award ceremony or something or the opening of a festival and the speeches are for the most part pretty boring and dull and, and predictable but when you do witness an amazing speech, I was at, I saw Hannah Gadsby the other night, and I mean, strictly speaking, that wasn't a speech. It was um, kind of a comedy show in a way, but anyone who's seen it would know it's not that. It's, it's so much more. She just delivers this incredibly powerful oration that takes you from laughing to being completely smacked in the face um, by her story and why she's quitting comedy. But it's really affecting when you see a speech like that. Absolutely, and and the the care that's taken and the craft in writing it, and I guess that's one thing that this has made me very conscious of is is the things that work, and there's so many different things that do work, but certainly that kind of story base to it that um, I'm sure I haven't seen the show yet, but I'm sure what she does is is find interesting ways to tell a story, and 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 I always say even to my little grade five who's giving her talk to the class, you know, that that to try to don't just say. Um, uh, you know, I, I uphold the school values and I believe in responsibility and organisation. You've got to say, you've got to tell them a time when you were responsible and then you've got to tell them a time when you were organised or else everyone's um, stopped listening. And, and so, you know, that's the, that's the lesson of this. I just watch speech after good speech where the, there's de- detail and there's a moment and you can be in the moment. And that's not to say that you can't do the big grand language like um, the Esteban's Pons guy did, where he's, ta- he's not really in the moment. He's talking about this concept of Europe. So for every little rule I'm throwing out here, you can chuck yeah, the rule out the window. Break them. But I wonder, um, Tony, I mean, it, we're, we're also, you know, be speaking with Sally Rippon and Alice Pung very soon about, you know, young readers and I suppose the influence of writers on, on them and, and that sort of thing that's coming up soon. But um, this idea of of teaching children how to deliver good speeches. Gee, we're all going to benefit from that. But it's, I, I see a lot of kids that have so much promise, um, that will just bury their heads in their paper and not talk into the microphone. And yet with a few pointers could actually be really uh, proud and really good communicators. And I, I wonder, you know, is there s- scope, you think, for teaching people to do a better Job well, I've done, I've been to three or four schools this year. So the Speak Older side has led to some um, opportunities, both in terms of talking to corporates and community groups and also schools. And I'm doing the judges next year. So uh, th- th- finally I'm getting in the big time now, <laughs> trying to get them to to deliver more engaging judgments, I guess, in, in 
in an in an oral sense. Uh, but to the school kids, I say exactly that, you know. And and the, almost the greatest battle is to to throw away the fear. And I said, well, everyone hates it. That's why you know it's an overpaid industry, and um, MCs and public speakers um, are in demand. People who can do it because it's it's difficult and it's frightening, and everyone hates it. And so um, I say to them, look, the thing to try to do is to remember that the worst thing you can do, the the coughing, the dropping of the speech, the, the red wine down your front, the, you know, the sorry I can't go on, the walk off stage, or all of them walking out, whatever you imagine the worst thing is, is still not as bad as, you know, breaking your leg or, you know, like it's a, it's a low level bad thing that will happen. And everyone fears it like a high-level bad thing. So I, I sort of say, can you minimise? How can you minimise this? And as soon as you can minimise, can you smile? Can you smile? Can you enjoy? Can it actually be a thing where, you know, you're going to share your thing, you're going to have your moment, they want you to go well, you want to go well? And let's. And it's almost a state of mind thing, really. Remember that really bad speech that um, Theresa May did with a, yeah. the poster <laughs> peeled off the wall and everybody yeah. wanted was egging her on to try and and she coughed and she yeah. that and was a pretty that was yeah. I mean look I felt for it it was more compassion than anything else but it was this kind of uh, but, and she, that, imagine she's got to be prime minister and she hasn't accidentally she's not the the, the she's not um, you know Barack Obama but she's not a bad speaker she's a good speaker um, and and. And so, and she's got to that point for a reason. And so the bad things that happened that day are just a bad day. And also, and I suppose, uh, the pressure that she was under wasn't because of that speech either. No. It was, it was kind of symptomatic. We have to finish up, but I suppose yeah, you're, yeah. you're into sport, Tony, as we all know. Um, any big soccer speeches or announcements this oh. year? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the one, there's a soccer, there's a guy who gets his whole team to sing R. Kelly. Um, Cray United Fifth Division or whatever. And he, he says, I can tell if you're tuned in. You're not t- you're tuned in 68%. You're tuned in 85%. Everyone else tuned in 68 <laughs> That is a genuinely funny masterpiece of, of, um, the coaches genre in a, in a not great way. Uh, I think the best sports speech this year was Neil Danaher to the Melbourne team, um, before the freeze and motor neuron disease game. Uh, environment, I'll mention Emmanuel Macron giving it to Trump. That was very well done. Uh, Cooper Cromp's retirement and Mel Jones's t- tribute to Betty Wilson, a great on the sports front. Uh, protest ones we mentioned, Ashley Judd. Wedding speech, Neil Gaiman's wedding speech is just gorgeous. Um, everything that I've learned about love. Um, they're probably the ones, uh, there's a few arts ones up there as well that I was going to mention. Meryl Streep um, and the Stranger Things guy. Remember his rant at the Golden Globes? That wasn't a bad speech. It's in the running. And music. <laughs> Uh, Jen Clower gave a great speech oh, yep. about mm. being an independent artist and also about recognition of female artists. Um, but I thought also Pink's speech was quite good of all people. She and we drank. can find them all on Speakola. When do we when do we actually hear the announcements of oh, the Speakolis? We won't hear. That's the thing. It's a great thing about the Speakolis. <laughs> where, where do we go looking for them? <laughs> you follow me on Twitter at Speakola underscore. And yes, at Speakola is owned by uh, an Indian who's tweeted not once. But I missed out. I'm stuck with an underscore for the rest of time. Or you could go to <laughs> Facebook. 
and either follow we could become friends because we're pretty much all friends um and it's not a very exclusive club my <laughs> friends facebook friendships um or we could um uh, you could follow speak Ola on facebook which is an incredibly unpopular page for how much work it's been yeah well you know what i i follow it and <laughs> as much as you can kind of um tongue-in-cheek talk it down it actually is a great site and tony will kind of remind you of anniversaries of great speeches as well which is always appreciated and send and me your speeches anyone can be on I said to Alice Pong of all people, can you send us a speech? And she went, out, no, I haven't got anything good. What? You haven't got anything good. Imagine how everyone else will feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to bring that up with her in just a minute. Thanks for coming in, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Tony will send, of course, uh, Speak Ola, uh, best speeches of 2017, hashtag look it up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he'll be back in a year's time to talk about that, but I'm sure we'll see you before then, Tony. See you later, guys. Uh, and thank you to all our guests for um, today's show. We've had an amazing last show of the year. Uh, it's been a pleasure, as always, working with Dylan through 2017. Oh, it's been a pleasure working and with you, And people might not realise you are also the producer, so thank you for all your hard work <laughs> behind the scenes um, for this year. And thank you to Elizabeth McCarthy and to Daniel Morganti, who puts together our podcast, and Sam, who is in the office that helps us with our music guest and Archie who helps us out with sound and there's a whole cast of thousands. That's that, right, there's a whole lot of people yep. behind the scenes, volunteers and stuff alike at Triple R who give you a hand and, and help out in a whole lot of ways, so um, yeah, big ups. And our regular guests as well, you know who you are and it's um, great to have their contribution. Uh, we love doing this show and you can um, check out our page of the Triple R website, rrr.org.au to um, follow us on Facebook or get updates on the show um, tune in next year, we'll be back in about February I think. Having a good break aren't we? I know. <laughs> you know, this is the life. And then we come back and have amazing conversations next year yeah, that's as right. well. And we'll continue it on. Uh, Libby Gott is going to be filling in starting next week for a couple of weeks and then um, tune in to a whole range of voices, not just uh, taking this show through the summer or this time slot, we should say, um, but all through the station. Different programs take time off, some for just a couple of weeks, some for a bit longer. And you just hear so many amazing yeah, it's voices. Really, it's a really great time of the year hearing a whole lot of different people. Um, on the airways with different ideas and different shows they're putting together. So, um, so yeah, definitely stay tuned to Triple R over the summer. And stay tuned for the new date too for Barbecue Day. Yeah. Uh, because obviously the, uh, the rain uh, prevented that going ahead this weekend, but I understand it is going to um, happen in the new year. So, so much to look forward to in 2018. Stay safe until then and uh, we'll be back. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.